Genesis 29. The Lord arranged it for me to preach the sermon today. I'm very thankful for the truth that God has given us. One of the greatest joys of being a pastor is that I get to study God's word as my job. And what a joy to spend time in God's word. As you spend time in God's word, you're spending time with God. When you hear God's word, you're hearing God's voice. Uh, Listen with your heart. Don't just listen with your ears. We listen and allow the words to go into our ears, into our brain, but really listen with the deepest part of you and God will speak to you. This message has been a great comfort to me. Uh, This truth that God has shown me. And I pray that God applies it to your life as well. It's a simple truth. The truth is right up on the screen. I don't try to be mysterious with my messages. Um, The Bible teaches us in, in the book of 2 Corinthians, seeing we have such great hope, we use great plainness of speech. And one of the wonderful things about Christianity is that it's, it's clear. There are some mysterious parts to it, parts that we don't understand that take faith, but it's clear. It used plain speech, and we can trust. We can trust our God. He uses plain speech with us. He doesn't try to confuse us. The Bible teaches us that God is not the author of confusion. Genesis 29, and we're going to look at verse number 31 together. We're going to look at a story about a man named Jacob. Jacob's name eventually is changed to Israel. And that's where the nation of Israel gets their name. This is the guy. This story is about him. His name is still being used today, obviously with the conflict over in the Middle East. Uh, But his, his name before God changed it was Jacob. We're going to look at an imperfect man with an imperfect marriage, but really what we're gonna focus on is we're gonna focus on his wife. Now, let me give you a little bit of a spoiler alert. Uh, Jacob had two wives, Leah and Rachel. We're gonna study this story today. When we read the Old Testament, we are going to see that a lot of the uh, men had multiple wives. God does not condone that. He does not say that that is what we should do. We need to understand the Bible is recording history and it records it and it describes it. But just because we read a description of history or of culture or of the actions of someone doesn't mean that is what that's what he's telling us to do. God created one man and one woman, Adam and Eve, and that is God's intention for marriage. He wants for us to find that one person. And we're going to see when we read of these marriages with multiple wives, there's always conflict, right? As some of us could think, man, that would be a challenge. (laughs) So um, please don't think that for some reason that uh, that, that is a description in any way. But let's look here at verse number uh, uh, 31. So Genesis 29 and verse 31 says, And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. And Leah conceived and bare a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, Surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. We're going to look at this truth today. Leah leaned into the Lord. Leah leaned into the Lord. The Bible says that Leah was hated. Excuse me. We're going to look and see what that means. In in the two wives that Jacob had, Leah was the one that was hated or loved less is what it means. Rachel was loved a lot. Leah was loved less. Rachel was loved a lot, but the Lord looked upon Leah. We're going to talk today about insecurities. We're going to talk today about if there is something in your life where you feel like that you're insecure about it or that you're different or maybe your background is 
is not perhaps what you wished it that it would be, that that doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. It means that God can use an imperfection in your life as a way of pulling you into his perfection. Well, let's pray together. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. God, you know I'm uh, sick. I know my brain is a little foggy. I need you. Your people need you. We need to hear from you today. So many people look upon their differences as uh, a means of confusion and pain and hurt. And they can even project that on you and, and say, why did you make me this way? And they can distance themselves from you. Some people have the feeling that Christianity is only for perfect people. And God, you, you came for the broken. And God, we sit before you as broken people. And I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that if someone's here today and they've never been saved, they would admit their brokenness before you. That they're not enough to save themselves. That they would repent. That they would turn. They would change their mind. Repent of their sin. Turn to you and trust you as their Savior. Help us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What are, your, what are you insecure about? What are you insecure about? When you walk through life, is there somebody that you look at and think, man, I wish that I was like that, or I wish I had that confidence, or I wish I looked like that, or I wish I was tall like that, or I wish I was maybe a different ethnicity even, perhaps some people think that. I wish I was that. I wish I didn't feel this way about this thing in my life. Perhaps it's your background. What are your differences? What are your disadvantages? In what areas are you overlooked or perhaps insulted? And maybe oftentimes the insult happens in our own mind. We can look at somebody, they can look at us, and we think they're thinking bad about us. And in reality, they're not, but that's what we hear in our head. We're going to look at a, a girl, Leah, and she had a sister. She was the older one, but she had a sister here. And we're going to look at verse number 29. We're going to go to the beginning of the chapter, get a little bit of the story that's going on here, and then we'll get into lessons from Leah. Then Jacob went on his journey. So Jacob was, he had a twin brother named Esau. And at this time, him and Esau had this huge uh, feud, this big battle, this big, um, more than a disagreement. Esau hated his brother because Jacob had tricked their father into giving him the birthright, which basically means that he gets all of the inheritance and he gets all of the blessing from God and he tricked his dad. His dad couldn't see very well and he tricked his dad. And so Esau was the older brother. Jacob's the younger brother uh, in the sense of, you know, Esau's the, the twin that came out first. He was born first and then Jacob was born second. So he's running away from home here in chapter number 29. Okay? He's running away from home. He's not in a healthy place. Okay? When we're talking about Leah's and we're talking about insecurities and people making us to feel certain things, we have to understand that oftentimes people can project their own insecurity on us. They can make us feel a certain way because maybe they're not what they should be. And we can see here that Jacob is running away from home and he's going to his uncle's house. He's coming to his uncle's house. His uncle's name is Laban. And he comes to Laban's house. He's running away. And it says in verse one, and Jacob went on his journey and came into the land of the people of the east. And he looked and behold, a well in the field. And lo, there were three flocks of sheep lying by it. For out of that well, they watered the flocks and a great stone was upon the well's mouth. And thither were all the flocks gathered. So again, keep in mind, this is over in Syria, southern Syria. This, that's the section of the world we're talking about right, right now. Kind of very deserty, very arid, very dry. And they would get water for their flocks out of these wells. So he comes up on this town and he sees these three flocks of sheep that are lying down and waiting for someone to remove this stone so they can draw water out of the well. And that's what he comes up on. Okay. Verse three. And thither were they all, uh, were all the flocks gathered and they rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the sheep and put the stone again upon the well's mouth in his place. So it's describing the process. Verse four. And Jacob said unto them, my brethren, whence be ye? And they said, of Haran we are. That's the name of the town. He's like, where are you from? We're from the town of Haran, verse five. And he said unto them, know ye Laban, the son of Nahor. He's asking them, do you know my uncle, Laban? And they said, we know him. And he said unto them, 
is he well? And they said, he is well. And behold, Rachel, his daughter, cometh with the sheep. And he said, lo, it is yet high day, neither is it time that the cattle should be gathered together. Water ye the sheep and go and feed them. And they said, we cannot until all the flocks be gathered together, until they roll the stone from the well's mouth, then we water the sheep. And while he yet spake with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she kept them. And it came to pass when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, that Jacob went near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. Verse 11, and Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. And Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's brother, that he was her, uh, sorry, father's brother, and that he was Rebecca's son, and she ran and told her father. So he's, remember, this is the days before GPSs. This is the days before maps. This is, this is like, go that direction, and maybe you'll find Haran, right? So he's walking. He finally comes up on the town. He realizes he's in the right place. And then he sees one of his relatives, right? And, uh, and, and people that knew that his uncle, and then here comes Rachel, and so he rolls the stone away and he's helping water. And then he, he, he uh, this is culture, right? This is not something that we would do nowadays, maybe in some cultures, but um, we don't do this uh, in Canada. But he, he sees Rachel, you know, um, a distant relative, so to speak, and he kisses her and then he cries, you know, and like, oh, I finally come home, I'm saved, right? Then we kind of, we, we, we get more into the story. He stays there for a month, the Bible says, and verse number 14, And Laban said unto him, Surely thou art my bone and my flesh, and he abode with him the space of a month. And, he, and we can see here that Jacob is not just sitting around the house for the month, but he's helping with the flocks. Verse 15, And Laban said unto Jacob, Because thou art my brother, shouldest thou therefore serve me for not? Brother meaning you're one of my extended family is what he's saying. We're related. It uses that term oftentimes in the Bible when it says brother. It doesn't necessarily mean blood brother, so to speak. And he said, because thou art my brother, shouldest thou therefore serve me for not? Tell me, what shall thy wages be? He says, you don't have to serve me and help out for free. He's like, how, how can I pay you? Now, this is one of the great love stories of the Bible. Now, all the ladies like, okay. Uh, and I would even say that maybe even some secular people know this as being one of the great historical love stories of the Bible. Verse 16, and Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah. There's, there's, there's our character. Now we're studying Leah today. And we're going to talk a little bit about Rachel. And it says, verse 17, uh, the name of the younger was Rachel. Verse 17, Leah was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. And Jacob loved Rachel. He'd been with her for a month or lived in that house, with, in the tent with everybody, right? For a month. And the Bible says he loved her. He loved this girl. And he said, look, verse 18. Now, this is big league, in my opinion. Right? You think about this for a moment. This is the deal he makes with his father-in-law. How, how am I going to, how am I going to pay, the father-in-law says, how am I going to pay you? All right? Now, again, remember, this is a description of a culture about 3,000 years ago. So don't get, don't get wrapped around the axle. That, I shouldn't say that. Don't get, don't get upset when we read about dowries and things like that. You have to remember that's the culture in this time. Uh, by the way, in, 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 uh, in, so I, there was a story that came out not too long ago where there, there was a culture where they did away with the dowries and the women were the ones that were upset because they said, we don't, we don't know how, now again, I'm not suggesting this at all, but I'm just saying, there was, there was, uh, they said, we don't know how to value ourselves anymore because before we knew we were this worth this much and this is, and of course, we value ourselves in different ways in modern society and all that kind of a thing. So the thing that we have to understand is that in this time period and in this culture, this was not an offensive thing. This was, this was like a, uh, this was the way things were done. And this was like a, a huge compliment. Like this was a complimentary thing. Okay. And by the way, every girl in here would, would, uh, would, would, would think, as I'm about to read this verse, you think, man, I wish that'd be awesome to be loved like that. Like this is such a huge reflection of love. But look, look what he says, verse 18. And Jacob loved Rachel and said, I will serve thee seven years. For Rachel, thy younger daughter. Now imagine, this girl is so beautiful, so drop-dead gorgeous. And you're like, he didn't want to be told no. 
Maybe he thinks this is a little amount, but maybe he thinks this is a fair amount. I don't know. The Bible doesn't say. But he says, I'm going to serve you for seven years. Now, take your age right now and add seven. Is that a long time? Can you picture yourself as being seven years older than you are right now? If you have kids, think about how old your kids are and think seven years older. That's a long time. Four-year college degree plus three years. I mean, you're like what? Have a master's degree and a half by then. Honestly, right? Okay, so we're, 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 we're going to talk about Leah in just a little bit. But when we, when we put ourselves into Leah's mind in just a moment, we're talking about insecurity. We're, first of all, we got to look at kind of who is she insecure against or who is kind of her competition or what does she have to live with? Right? She's got to live with Rachel. Now look. It says, Jacob loved Rachel and said, I will serve thee seven years for Rachel, the younger daughter. And Laban said, It is better that I give her to thee than that I should give her to another man. Abide with me. And Jacob served seven years for Rachel. Oh my goodness. This is an awesome verse. This is what we write on all of our Valentine's Day cards. Right? This is what should be on your Valentine's Day card, fellas. Mark this verse. And Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed unto him but a few days for the love that he had to her. It's feel good. It's awesome. The guys are like, man, I want to find a girl like that. The girls are like, man, I want to find a guy like that. Man, that's good. That's good. And yet it'd be awesome if the story ended there. And oftentimes we think my life would be awesome if I could have that kind of a life per se. But see, there was a dad that was not an honest guy. Laban was not the most honest guy in the world. And he had two daughters. And it came time for the wedding day. Notice what it says in verse 21. Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife for my days will fulfill the seven years had passed that I may go in unto her. Finally, I want to be married. And Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast. And it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to him. And he went in unto her. And Laban gave unto his daughter Leah, Zilpah is made for a handmaid. Came to pass it in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, what is this that thou hast done unto me? Did not I serve with thee for Rachel? Wherefore then hast thou beguiled me? So the way that the marriage ceremony worked is that it worked in stages and they basically spent the night together in the same house, but maybe not necessarily together together is what we're seeing. And so when he woke up in the morning, and he sees, it's like, wow, this is not the right one. Okay, now again, we're going to put ourselves into Leah's place here. Rachel's back here. She's not married yet, right? But it was supposed to be her, but we're going to picture ourselves as Leah for just a moment. Imagine that your dad has to trick the guy into marrying you. Okay? You've got to trick him. And then the first words on the first morning after the day of your marriage, the first words you hear your husband say is to the father-in-law, what is this that thou hast done unto me? Now contrast that between I'm going to serve you for seven years. <laughs> Come on now. That's brutal. Now does she have, listen, does she have a choice in any of this? She does not have a choice in any of this. Okay? Now, listen. When we're talking about insecurities, we're talking about weaknesses, we're talking about things we wish we were different, oftentimes it relates to things that we have no choice about. It's either a result of the choice of someone else or it's the result of God's choice in our life. Now, why does he say this? And I'm going to be kind, but we're going to be biblical and scriptural here. As to why he says, what is this that thou hast done unto me? Well, first of all, he loved Rachel. But we're going to look at verse number 17. And we're going to look at this is a contrasting verse between Leah and Rachel. It's a description of the two girls. The older one, the Bible describes her as tender eyed. Now, if you look that up. In the Hebrew, it's still not clear what that means. 
If you look at commentaries, you can see either one of two things. Tender-eyed can mean one in a culture that highly valued a girl's eyes being beautiful. She did not have beautiful eyes is what it says. Or if we're looking at the context of the verse and it's saying she was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful. It's basically saying the only thing attractive about this girl was her eyes. It's describing Leah, right? But then when it comes to Rachel, the Bible says she was beautiful and well-favored. Beautiful, listen, externally in every way. Beautiful externally in every way. God tells us, Psalm 139 and verse number 14. Let's look at that verse, please. We'll come, we're, come, we're coming right back to Genesis. Psalm 139 and verse 14 says, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, when, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. What is it saying? It's saying that in the Psalm of David, it's saying that God is the one who made us. He knows exactly what he was doing when he made us. The Bible says that he chose our members, meaning he's the one that chose exactly how we were going to look. He's the one that placed us in our family. He's the one that gave us the background that we have. He is the one that made Leah look the way she looked. We okay? We understand that so far? Who's the one that made Leah? Who's the one that created Leah? Who's the creator of human beings? God is. Who's the one that made these two girls so drastically different? Listen, we have to understand that in our story, in our own personal story, if we are different... God made us that way. You, listen, everybody look at me. You are not a mistake. I've heard stories where parents have a mistake, meaning we didn't expect a child and the child came along and then some parents treat that with joy and other ones tell the kid, we didn't want you. You're, you're a mistake. Listen, friend. God wanted you, and you're not a mistake. If there's something about yourself that you wish was different, God wanted you, and you're not a mistake. There is nobody in this world who is perfect. There are Rachels out there that maybe externally we look at and we look and we think and we wish, I wish I was like them, and perhaps we can even get angry at God or we can create some distance from God. I know God is good, but if God is good, why did he, why am I living in the, Leah, why, why did I have to be so ugly? And why did my sister have to be so beautiful? Beautiful in every way. As in looking at her, there is not one thing that a picky person could say, I wish if you just change this one thing, she would be more beautiful. There was nothing to change, friend. Leah, her eyes. That's it. Are there times that you feel like a Leah? I do. This room is full of Leahs. We're all Leahs, if we're honest. There's all a part of us that there is something we wish that perhaps we were a little bit different. Maybe some of you wish that externally you were different. Perhaps you wish that you had a different story. Perhaps you wish that you were uh, a little more intelligent or had a little bit more education or a little bit more this or a little bit more that. 
And we've got to ask the question, why? Leah. Why? Leah was the older sister by comparison to her younger sister. Leah was hated. Notice it says in verse number 31, and when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. Jacob was not content with Leah. It says in verse number 26, and Laban said, it must not be so done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Fulfill her week, live with her for a week, he says, and we will give thee this also for the service which thou shalt serve with me yet another seven years. So Laban tricked him into serving him another seven years to get Rachel. So he basically worked for his father-in-law for 14 years to get the girl he wanted. Incredible love story, honestly. But we're going to focus on Leah just for a few more minutes. Verse 28, and Jacob did so and fulfilled her week and he gave him Rachel, his daughter, to wife also. Laban gave to Rachel, his daughter, Bilhah, his handmaid, to be her maid. Verse 30, and he went in also unto Rachel and he loved also Rachel more than Leah and served with him yet seven other years. Can I say this? Jesus Christ knows what it's like to be both the Rachel and the Leah, so to speak. He was adored by angels in heaven, the most beautiful thing that this universe could ever behold in, 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 in the sense of celestial beauty. But he gave that up. And when he came to this earth, he was a common, common, common man. He was a commoner. The Bible says in uh, Isaiah 53 and verse number three, he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Listen, friend, if there's any part of you that can resonate with the Leah, Jesus, listen, Jesus became a Leah, so to speak, for us. He became a human being. He became one of us without sin, but he became one of us. He knows what it's like to be looked at and despised. Listen, he knows what it's, what, it, what it's like to be looked at and listened to and rejected. Come on now. He knows what it's like. Do not think for a moment that God, that Jesus Christ does not know what it's like to be in your situation. And he chose that because he came to the cross. He willingly took upon him the role of being rejected so that he could be crucified, so that he could pay for our sin, so that we could have a relationship with God and have our sins forgiven. So that, listen, the root source of the evil of that rejection could be put away with, and now we can have peace one with another. Wouldn't it be an amazing thing if somehow Rachel and Leah could have peace one with another? And their, and their differences in looks wouldn't be an issue. But my friend, the story tells us it was always an issue. It was always an issue. But we're going to see here in just a moment that Leah leaned into the Lord and Rachel took a long time to learn that lesson. It took a long time to learn that lesson. The Bible says in Philippians 2, 5, and 6 and verses following, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name, which is above every name that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father. The Bible says in Hebrews 4, 14 and 15, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Listen to this verse carefully. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. It doesn't say the infirmity cannot be touched with our infirmity. It says he cannot be touched 
with the feeling of our infirmity. He knows what it's like to feel the way Leah felt. He knows what it's like. Go to him. Develop a relationship with the one who knows what it's like. And listen, instead of breathing resentment and bitterness and anger because of your differences, he can breathe in peace and joy and grace. And listen, purpose. He will lead you to a land of purpose. Your difference, your insecurity is the ticket into his presence. Because we don't come to God if we are not humble. We will never get to know him if we do not think we need him, my friend. And that you say, well, if God loved me, why'd he make me like this? Because He cannot make us sinlessly perfect. Everybody has flaws. Everybody's different. Everybody look at me. Everybody has something where they resonate with Leah. God made us that way. Why? So that we can come to him. So that we come to him. You know, these things, they always need an update, don't they? Don't they always need an update? Why? They designed them that way. You guys ever had a phone after you've had it about two or three years, it just doesn't work very well anymore? The battery doesn't hold the charge? Come on now. Isn't that true? We've all experienced this. What do you have to do? Well, you have to go back to your service provider. Say, this, this phone's worthless. Won't hold the charge. I can only go as far around town as my charger cord will let me. I have to keep it plugged into the wall. I was driving down the road a couple years ago, using my phone as a GPS, and then it went black. Not a horrifying moment, right? Tapping on the screen, and you're like thinking, I should pull over. This cell phone's driving me nuts. Pull over, power button, pushing all the buttons, and it's like, I wish I could Google how to turn my phone on right now, but I can't turn my phone on to Google it. God designed us. Listen, it was love that designed a flaw. It was love that allowed a flaw. It was love that allowed a difference. It was love. Why? So that we could connect to God himself. God is love. This world tries to tell us, love yourself. God says, no, no, no. Let your flaw be the thing that drives you into my presence. Lean into the Lord, Leah. Lean into the Lord, Leah. Lean into the Lord. Just as Jesus was not a mistake, you are not a mistake. You are not born by chance. You were born by choice. Your parents are not a mistake. Your talents, abilities are not a mistake. Your background is not a mistake. Your ethnicity is not a mistake. The Rachel in your life, the person you compare yourself to or the thing that you compare yourself to is not a mistake. Your being tender-eyed is not a mistake. Let's read a a wonderful verse that many of us know well. Romans, you find it on the screen, Romans 8, 28. You say, well, what about the bad things? that are a part of my past or the bad things that have happened and the sinful things that people have done. Did God make them do that too? Listen, God gives human beings a free will and people do bad things to other people. And while God did not tell them to do those things, we have a God who loves us that can take bad things and turn them into good things. Amen. Amen. God loves us and we know that because when we come to him with the bad things, the broken things, the shattered things, the different things, the insecurities, the frustrations, he can take those. If we give them to him, he can take it and turn it into something good. The Bible says in Romans 8, 28, and we know, listen, we know this. 
This is something we have to know. We should memorize this first. And we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God. Who, what does it mean to love God? To lean into the Lord by faith. To not run away from him, but to go to him with our heart, to love him, to trust him. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. There is a purpose, Leah, for you being the less favored one. We're going to look at that and then we'll be done. Look at, go back to Genesis 29 and verse number 31. We're going to look briefly at Leah leaning into the Lord. We need to be reminded that while it, it says that she was not loved the same as Rachel, it doesn't mean she wasn't loved at all. It doesn't mean she wasn't loved at all. Oftentimes we get to where we focus on the one thing. Well, I'm not the same as Rachel or I don't have the same story or I don't. Guys, can I be honest with you? I grew up in a family that moved around a lot my, with my dad's military career. And, 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 and my parents did the very best to shed that in a positive light. But at the same time, with the way that I grew up, one of the things that I struggled with was the fact that I didn't have one of those stories where I grew up in the same church. I grew up with, in a big school. I grew up with all of these friends. I grew up with all of these attachments. I grew up with one identity. Like, you know, in the United States where I grew up, everybody walks around with their favorite sports teams on, you know, because that's where they're from. It's an identity thing. I'm proud to be from Buffalo, apparently, because they always wear Buffalo stuff. <laughs> Buffalo stuff. Right? So I'm just like, who, you know, who am I? And what, what should I wear? And what should I identify? And kind of that wondering thing. And as I grew, and as I grew, listen, as I learned to lean into the Lord, first I got saved, and then I began to grow in grace, and I began to grow in the Word of God, and begin to make Christianity my story, and not just a part of my parents' story that I followed along with, but it became my thing. I began to realize that being the different kind of a person, being the person that was always a little bit kind of the outsider, being the guy that really didn't have super, super strong roots, that can be a gift. That can be a gift. If you give your pain to the Lord, listen, listen, carefully, listen. Your pain can become your God if you're not careful. You visit it every day. You worship it every day. You water it with your tears. Come on now. You, your pain can become... Some of you today need to give God your pain. God, I'm, 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 I'm going to trust you with my story. I'm going to trust you with my ethnicity. I'm going to trust you with my background. I'm going to trust you with who my parents are. I'm going to trust you with what happened to me. Listen, we listening? I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. And as I begin to trust God, God began to show me, hey, you know what? I'm going to call you to missions. You know what? I do not fit in. We have a brother brother here, a brother Dependra, wave at me. He's from Nepal. Do I look like a Nepali, my brother? Not even a little bit. I'm about two feet taller than most Nepalis, right? And I walk around. I'm different. Seven and a half years walking around. Very different. You look at me. Not even close to being the same. But you know what? That's a gift. Because people would look at me and say, hey, you're different. Why are you here? Let me tell you why I'm here. I'm here because Jesus loves me. He sent me here with a message for you. God, God has often used my difference as an opportunity to connect to his purpose for my life. Amen. People find out here, you're from America? <laughs> Children, run! 
Why are you here? Why did you come to Canada? Let me tell you why. They used to think it was because of Donald Trump, but you ran away. Let me tell you why I'm here. I'm a pastor of a church. (gasps) I've never met a pastor before. I've heard that many times in Toronto. Honestly, most people have never met a real, genuine, born-again Christian ever in their life. And because, listen, because my story is a little bit different and because by the grace of God alone, I learned to lean into the Lord, God has allowed me to find my purpose. And he can do the same for you. He can do the same for you. Your purpose is not to make money. Your purpose is not to be TikTok famous. Come on. Your purpose is bigger than that. While the most loved, it doesn't mean no love. We find that Leah had seven children with Jacob. He liked her a little. I mean, he liked her a little bit. That's seven kids. Uh, isn't it funny that he served Rachel for seven years? But he had seven children. <laughs> right? Seven children with Leah. Less love is better than no love. We need to stop focusing on our difference and give it to the Lord. Comparison leads to jealousy, envy, and strife. Contentment leads to joy, peace, and happiness. Let's look at briefly at the names here. How do we know she leaned in? The Bible says 31, when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, loved the less, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. And Leah conceived and bare a son, and she called his name Reuben, for she said, surely the Lord has looked upon my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. That, that word affliction is an interesting word. That, that word means misery. God has looked on my misery. Listen, oh, this is good. Drink in this truth, guys. The Lord looked on my misery. And the word also means depression. You realize that perhaps, perhaps God does not completely take away some feelings of depression because God wants you to learn to habitually lean into him. And if he took that away, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't need him anymore. And then you learn that, you know what? Having this bit of depression or this bit of misery in my life, after all, is not the worst thing. Because I learned that God is a better gift to me. And God is better to me than not having any problems in my life. Than having the perfect story. Than being absolutely beautiful like Rachel. And we learn that the most beautiful thing about our life is the grace of God in our life. Is God. I have a relationship with God. My, My friend, beauty fades away. Let's just think about for a moment. Jacob loved her and she was gorgeous, this girl. He served her, he served his father-in-law for 14 years. Nobody looks the same 14 years later. Now he married her at the seven-year mark, but still, seven years, nobody looks the same. Right? What does Reuben mean? <laughs> Verse 32. Leah conceived and bare a son. She called his name Reuben, for she said, Surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction. My husband does not see me the way he sees the Rachel, but God does. God sees me. God sees my affliction. My friend, if you lean into the Lord, you will learn. Others may not see me, and I don't need for them to see. I need it to know that he sees me. What health. What grace. We'll look at some of the other names of her kids, but listen. She named her children. Ah, this is beautiful. She named her children and passed on to her children the victories that God gave her. And far too often, my friends, what we pass on to our children as our insecurities because we don't lean into the Lord with them. What are you passing on to your kids? Now, there's no perfect parent. She wasn't perfect. And by the way, her kids were not perfect either. But how much worse off would her kids have been 
had she not leaned into the Lord and named them after her victories. Surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction and her hope. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. He didn't, not in the way she wanted him to, but she had the Lord's love. She had the Lord's love. Verse 32, and she conceived again and bare a son and said, because the Lord hath heard me. The Lord sees me. The Lord hears me. She was praying. Said, because the Lord hath heard that I was hated, he hath therefore given me the son also, which called his name Simeon. She conceived again and bare a son. Verse 34, now this time will my husband be joined in me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore was his name Levi. There's always a competition between the two girls, Rachel and Leah. Who's the husband going to really be joined with? Who's, who's he really going to live with? She's like, three sons. He's got to live with me now. He didn't. He didn't. But God was. God was always with her. Never forsook her. Verse 35, she conceived again and bare a son and said, now will I praise the Lord. Look at that, guys. Listen, friend. Her life went. Nobody sees me. Nobody hears me. Nobody wants to be with me. And... Nobody wants to praise me. You see that? But because she leaned into the Lord, he sees me. He hears me. He wants to be with me, and I will praise the Lord. Her song changed. Her song changed. He has put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. The Bible says in Psalm 40, We've got to learn to lean into the Lord. We've got to, listen, we've got to stop going to the self-help part of the bookstore or of the podcast rack when God intends for that thing not to be self-help, but to go to the Savior for his help. Go to the Savior. Go to the Savior. He is my help. He is my strength. He is my rock. He is. Some of you, uh, that sounds accusatory. Some of us, I'll say it more kindly, because I'm in this category as well. Talented, charismatic. We have qualities. Every one of us has Leah qualities and every one of us has Rachel qualities. Every one of us. We all have strengths. You know all the stuff you put on your resume. I need the job because of, and you've got to, you know, You talk about all the good stuff. Nothing wrong with that. God created us that way as well. Let me show you something and we'll be finished. Look at 30, Genesis 30. Genesis 30, verse 22. Genesis 30, verse 22. We'll be done. God opened Leah's womb, gave her all these children. She leaned into the Lord. Wow, what a relationship with God she was developing. Did her best to pass it on to her kids. What about Rachel? Now listen, by all visible things, Rachel's the one that is drop-dead gorgeous. So in, 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 in the idea of having children, it would make perfect sense that she would be the one that would have all these kids. He wanted to be with her. She was gorgeous. Who was the one that had all the kids? It was Leah. Okay? Rachel was barren. Listen, barren as her natural beauty, year after year, faded just a little bit. We see that? When did she start having children? When she stopped trusting in her outward external beauty and she learned the same lesson that Leah did. She learned to lean into the Lord as well. Look with me at verse chapter 30, verse 22. And God remembered Rachel. Look, and God hearkened to her. What does it mean to hearken? It means to hear, to listen. Which means that she leaned into the Lord and began to pray. God, I can't depend on, listen, I can't depend on my beauty. I can't depend on my natural talent. I can't depend on all of the wonderful things about how you made me to be. And some of us, listen, some of us are still left empty inside because we depend too much on our natural abilities that God's given us. Think, well, I'm really not much of a Leah, I'm more of a Rachel. 
Oh, my friend, are you barren? Do you have spiritual fruit? Are you happy? Are you joyful? I was looking up on a website and I typed in the word insecurity. There's this one website I use to help me with sermon illustrations. Article after article came up. Interviews done by famous people talking about how insecure they were. One of the Beatles in his 80s was interviewed by NPR and he was talking about how insecure he was. One of the most successful musicians that's ever been. Name's gonna go down in history. Lived day to day, incredibly insecure, incredibly afraid that somebody was gonna outdo him. Frank Sinatra, very famous singer and actor of yesteryear put on shows in Las Vegas for many, many years. And well, listen, into his 80s, why did he do that? Because he was insecure. He, listen, he never had peace that, he, that what he had done was enough, even though he had millions in the bank. And other stories. If we follow the world's philosophy, they say, if you find yourself to be more of a Rachel, Lean into, lean into your beauty and squeeze all you can out of it. Lean into your talent and you'll be satisfied. My friend, you won't be. Lean into the Lord. Lean into the Lord. Well, I've got this job. I'm doing really well. Uh, jobs don't last forever. Talk to some of the people around here that have been around for a little bit. Well, I've got this plan. <laughs> Plans. Yeah, they always seem to work out, right? You guys remember COVID? Lean into the Lord, my friend. Lean into the Lord. The Bible says, God hearkened to her and opened her womb and she conceived and bare a son and said, she said, God hath taken away my reproach. God hath taken away my reproach. What was his name? Joseph. When she finally learned the lesson of leaning into the Lord, God gave her a son that would eventually deliver all of their family. Last verse, we know this verse. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Beautiful, beautiful verse. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. The Leoparts, listen, the Leoparts and the Rachel parts. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding in all thy ways. Acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. Ready, bow your heads, please, and close your eyes.